You're listening to Trot the Egging, hosted by John Hetherington, working with Witness Rugby Union Football Club, sponsored by Boydells. All right, Johnny, so we've got to that stage, mate, where you're going to be leaving uni now. So you've played against some good players at uni. You've you've got the the pass, I suppose, that you've got that you want to kick on with life. What happens next? Yeah, so on the back of uni, um, I've got a job down in London. I've done a couple of summers down here working and um, moved down, uh, kind of a well-trodden path of finishing uni and moving down. Uh, and it was great, kind of in the in, in the first year or two, like London lifestyle, you know, tube everywhere, available for drinks whenever, cool stuff to do. <laughs> um, and the work wasn't that pressured because you were you were kind of a junior graduate, so um, it was it, it was really good fun and, and kind of set, settled really easily. So yeah, I had a real laugh, made, and then I was probably down there about uh, five years and. Um, really enjoyed it, kind of enjoyed the lifestyle, got into it and, and work was going well. And then I'd always wanted to um, do some time in Australia and I'd, I'd never done it through uni or after uni, just with jobs and, and different stuff. So I was out there for the Rugby League World Cup and I thought, you know what, I'm going to start thinking like, could, could I could I work here? Could I get a job? Um, kind of what the rules, what the regulations or all that sort of stuff. So I had a few few coffees with various people and um someone said like look if you if you get yourself a visa i can, can give you a job in a in a kind of exciting startup um so come back here four or five months later sort sort kind of affairs and make sure the family were happy and, and that sort of stuff and uh, yeah. i took the plunge and moved out there for a bit and did you go out on your own mate yeah yeah went out on my own lived with like um family friend like my uncles for four four to six weeks and then by that point I was kind of in the job getting paid and I, I got a room to rent in, in Bondi with every other Brit in Sydney. Yeah, so you've gone from here to our weather system to the bright lights and was it again you didn't easily have to get on with but how was it settling in and how was it finding finding your path out there really? Yeah, to, to be honest, it's weird when you when you're an expat, and I've never quite managed to describe this very well. But you know, you, you might know someone who who a mates put you in touch with, or um, like a friend of a friend, and you'll kind of meet them, and and some of your, and then you might meet their friends and become friends with them. Um, and because you're an expat and everyone's in a similar situation, and no one's got like family or, or loads of friends already it makes kind of mingling and, and making friends and kind of getting up to speed much easier so you'd actually find that whereas at home like your best mates are the lads you grew up with or that you know or you went to school with or uni and or, or you live with over there you, your best mates could be well it's a guy that i know at home that's introduced me and it's his mate or something like yeah. real kind of tenuous connections but yeah um, but you have to branch out don't you worry you can yeah. sort of pick and choose Oh, well, you've got to give everyone a chance, mate, haven't you? Yeah, I did like, uh, I remember doing like two weeks where I was like, just don't say no. Like, if anyone can invite you to anything, just go. And just, yeah. even if you're like, oh, I don't really know them or like, oh, I don't really want to do that, just just go. And, um, you know, the, the, there's a similar drinking culture over there. So you have a few beers in the pub and, um, and you know, you, you soon settle in and kind of make a group. So, um, yeah, it, it didn't take long, to be honest, mostly like Brits and then, as I started kind of working and playing rugby, a lot of like Aussie friends and, and Kiwis for men. 
Right. So what what was the job, mate? Before we touch on to the the trot and the egg in, what was the, what? Um, we are launching a, uh, like an app-only bank out there, so similar to the Monzo and Starlings that you might have heard of, basically doing a similar thing. So it's a small group of us um, getting a kind of a banking license and just starting it from scratch. So it was, it was good fun. It kind of allowed me to work as a bit of a contractor, so do kind of like 14 days on and then do a bit of travelling somewhere and for a long weekend or something and have a bit of time off. So it kind of was really good fun. Right. Was that an avenue you'd ever thought of going down before in the banking avenue, Johnny? No, I actually wanted, when I first started, I wanted to work in oil and gas because I met someone and he travelled everywhere with oil and gas. Yeah. And I thought, that sounds cool, like travelling for a job. And um, it just kind of worked out. Like at, at uni, I, I did a piece of work and I kind of got approached by by a bank and, and said, like, look, we'd like to come, for you to come for an interview for a grad job. And, and, and I got through that and that kind of put me into banks and still here. So yeah, it's you've done something all right though, mate, haven't you? Um, yeah, yeah, it's gone all right. Like the work, um, the work's fine. It's quite different now. I think it's such a generic, vague term that what you actually do day to day can be can be really different. Yeah. So we'll we'll go back over there, mate. So was it was it a success? The app is it something that people got a grip of and it went somewhere yeah it was really good like it, it was just a bit of a crazy environment whereby like i think we were about 20 when i joined and you know one day you'd like rock up and the boss would be like there's no chairs like we've got more people joining you just go and buy chairs like just stuff that you'd never think about <laughs> yeah mad in it um so yeah it was good and it just met because it was like a small team it was all hands on deck it, you just yeah. you got to push out your comfort zone and do like uh, stuff that you would never done before um and you're just like okay i'll give it a crap you know and and everyone was so committed that you know if you had to work a saturday it wasn't a problem like you go work a saturday and then go for a few beers with work afterwards like it was on it was enjoyable so it was a really good time yeah and did, when you say you played rugby again did that act as an icebreaker for you and open a few doors for you friendship wise yeah, work wise um yeah, I just I, I wanted to get into it uh, when I first got over there to make make mates and, and kind of settle. And yeah, it was really good. I played for a team called Sydney Harlequins, um, who were a great side. And uh, yeah, the rugby was rugby's a bit different over there, I'd say. Um, for a start, kind of if you're playing a team, your first team, second team, third team, even if you've got seven teams, all play the same team on the same day. That's good. Your, your third team would kick off at 12. Your second team at, I don't know, half one and your first team at three. So all the teams are in the same location, whether you're home or away. I so, like that. Yeah, it's, it's a really good yeah. set. It also means that kind of lads get down earlier so that, you know, and the threes and the twos might stay to support the ones, but also vice versa. You know, the ones get there earlier as they're kind of getting ready and going into warm up they're clapping out so it's quite a big um, a big culture of that and it's it's really good you know everyone gets clapped onto the field by either the teams waiting to play or, or that have played um, so it's good and I think the the other difference that I found is we had a really successful season actually we won the premiership that year um, but was that it's, it's kind of two different games would be in over there whereby you play an Aussie team who would probably be very fit like they're quite fit uh, population so yeah. and, and obviously great weather hard pitches um, so there's a lot of running so you would have to kind of cover some meters and, and get round 
get around the pitch, but maybe like the physicality wouldn't be as strong, which suited my game. Yeah. Um, so it was more around like work rate and, and effort. But then the next week you could be playing like a predominantly Islander side and you basically have to prepare for like a 20-minute battering at the start of the game before they got tired and then 10 minutes after half-time. Yeah. You, so, so largely, if you could hold out through them periods, you'd be fine because you'd break them down and they'd get tired and you'd be all right. But it'd just, be, it'd just come at, you know, huge blokes kind of, um, battering the door down at you and then usually like a couple of guys outside who, who could kind of step anything or had great hands yeah so was that like a social uh, standard Johnny or was it a feed was it a feeder system or yeah so the, the top the top comp is um, is, is shoot shield which is probably equivalent to like the championship really here uh, right. and they feed the kind of waratahs uh, we played I think two below shoot shield so it was a decent standard. Um, yeah, very good standard, mate. Like national was, too, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the, the caveat is what what because the teams all play on the same ground um, at the same time, you actually can't be in some of the higher leagues if you haven't got enough teams. Yeah. So we were we were a very good team, but we only had we had three teams, so we could never make. Then when we when we won the premiership, we didn't get promoted because we didn't have a cult. The rules of the year above meant you had to have a cult because all the teams in the year above had four teams, which was three adults and a cult. Okay. So um, it, it's a little bit limiting in that respect, the setup, because for example, like my local team that I, I never played for, but they had they had six teams that used to play every Saturday, but everyone in their league had six teams, but it gives quite like wild variations because. You know, one club might be really, really good with six teams, but the other might be completely social. Yeah, I um, have one good team and the rest yeah, don't really want to filter exactly. through, did he? Um, yeah. Was so, there many, many teams then, Johnny? So, say, say you only class the first team as a team. How many teams do you think Sydney have? I think there's a fair amount. Like it's rugby league's the main sport. Like no, no bones about it. Um, but when each club's got six or seven teams, mate, it's what? not a bad participation pool, is it? No, I think that's fair. I think the main thing is there's no rugby union really outside, like in yeah. the bush. So there's probably a decent. I don't know. There's probably a few, there's probably a couple of hundred teams, um, easy, but in quite a small area. But if you think yeah. of the size of Australia, yeah, you, yeah, it's very. Yeah. Cool. Right, mate. So you thoroughly enjoyed your spell in Australia. What brought you home? Yeah, it's just a long way. Um, I had a great time, and I would have liked to have maybe stayed a little bit longer. But um, I think it, it's more that it's two flights. My new rule is if if you're one flight away from, from home, you can easily get. You know, even if you're in, I don't know, somewhere like Singapore, it's a twelve-hour flight. You're still you're still the one flight. Yeah, it's just very hard. And, if you need to kind of come at short notice or do anything, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of money and, and a long way. So um, I kind of moved back and I moved back to London about two and a bit years ago and I've, I've been here since. So what are you doing in London now, mate? How would you find it? Are you still playing rugby before everything happened? And what, what does the future hold for you in London? Yeah, mate, I'm, um, I'm, I'm back. I'm playing for the team I played for just before I left, uh, Old Haberdashers. So uh, it's based in based in North London. A few lads I used to work old with. Old Haberdashers? Yeah. Um, well, it's actually Old Haberdashians. 
Right. Uh, it's linked to a school, but a lot of us all play for them because they don't train. So they're the highest, highest place club in, in England that don't train. <laughs> um, and uh, it just works quite well. Like when I first yeah. joined, it was, you know, a lot of, I couldn't really commit to training with work hours and, um, and whatever. So the club was perfect. I mean, takes you a bit longer on a Saturday to get there, but it all evens out the fact that you don't train. So um, it's good because I think the best part about it is there's still a group of committed lads. No, yeah. to, you know, everyone's turned up on a Saturday to win and, and play play well and, and then have a few beers after. Like it's not um, it's not like uh, people drop out all the time because you don't train or stuff like that. So um, yeah, really really great club. Yeah, and you've you've mentored us on a few nights out, mate. So for anyone that's listening, what hotspots do you recommend? Um, I don't know about. I think a mentor, a few people would challenge. If I'm honest, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I live near Clapham. Clapham's always a good night out. But if you're looking yeah. somewhere central, I'd say get yourself down to Bermondsey. Um, there's a good few good few craft beer and, and pubs down there. Okay, mate. So what what are the future plans there? Do you see yourself down there for the long term still? Uh, I think at the moment I'll, I'll be here for for a fair bit, but. Maybe not forever. It's uh, it's a bit too expensive. Yeah, the money you've got behind you, mate, minted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. So we've got we've got to that stage in the podcast now. I'm going to ask you a few daft questions, fella. So, yeah, any pre-match superstitions? Uh only always keep my gum shield in my right sock. Okay. Until I fair enough, put it into play. I don't know, yeah. I can't tell you why. That's just become habit. Okay, so we'd say we'll go from the width for this one then. So, favourite away ground? Favourite away? Probably filed, because when you turn them over at home, they always look sick as, sick as dogs. Yeah, you seriously dislike it, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, so toughest player you've played with and against? With would probably be um, a guy I played with at uni um, called called Luke Dilly, one of my mates. Um, the man just seems to bounce back every time and bounce back stronger. Um, and he can hit and he can carry kind of with the best of them. Yeah. And where did he play, mate? Seven. Seven. Right. Says it all, done it? Yeah. Did a different breed, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, very much um, is there anyone that stands out against? Because you might not know, and might you might just know the club and position, maybe. Yeah, it's weird. I'd like um, play against a fella for for whole uni, um, and uh, I can't fully remember his name, but he played eight, and the guy was just. It, it took three of us to bring bring him down every time, and you know he made a few good carries, and everyone was like, All right, someone's going to get a shot on him. And everyone kind of went for the shot and everyone bounced. And, and that wasn't me. I was harder blokes and more physical blokes than me. But yeah. Did he ever go anywhere, do you know? Uh, I believe he played nat one and then um, now plays like three, I think. So I think he did, he did a good job, but he was, um, yeah, he sticks out as being a good player. Did you think of going below the top, uh, above the top lip maybe? Yeah. That usually works, mate. I think the problem was he was about six four, six five, so he was even bigger. Get the yellow pages out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much. All right, mate. So maybe you're out with us around Christmas. We've had a few. We're in semis. 
we give you the mic, mate. What are you singing? Dancing in the Moonlight by Top Loader. Oh, tune. Straight up. I quite like how white, nice and straightforward and yeah. sudden it was, mate. No hesitation in that, was there? It's, it always comes out at a wedding. Yeah. The only reason I go to weddings just because it can, it's guaranteed. Get up and sing it. <laughs> All right, mate. So, where can people keep up with you on the socials? So, add from the wits, maybe. Anyone that's listening, what you're on and what are your handles? Uh, you know what? I don't actually know my handles, but Jonathan Preston on Instagram and Facebook, really. Um, okay, content, mate. Content's pretty ropey, but I'm trying my best. Not a problem, dude. So, thanks for coming on and that. Now it's time for you 1 to 15. So, do you want to start front row or full back? Um, I think we'll start, start full back. Right, hit me up. Um, full back would have to be Andy Riley. Yeah, and where is that? Could evade, could evade anyone and then have a huge boot. I always remember like putting for touch, he hit 22 to almost 22. Um, really, really good lad. Um, could bring people into the game. Great player. On the wing? And I think on the wing, to get him in, I'd go uh, Smigger, Matthew Smith. I know he played yeah. the fullback as well, but he's got to be in there. He could step anyone. And I always remember playing Lim in a, in a Colts final. And uh, they had a few big lads, and I think they were all in Sale Academy. And, and Smigger stepped a load, and then he put one through, and, and this prop caught it, kind of chasing up. And uh, he absolutely went for Smigger and he just took him around the ankles, chopped him, and uh, he, he could mix it with the best of them. Right. So, your other winger? Um, I think my other league winger would be a, a guy that I played with in Sydney, actually, called, called Mitch Gibbs. Um, great. Just a great finisher. A bit like you'd see on the NRL nowadays with, like, one hand. I don't know how he did it, but he, he'd always finish. Uh, sounds like yeah, sounds like he knows his way to the line then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you thirteen? Uh I think my thirteen were probably Dave Welsh. Yeah. A lot of respect for Welsh. like just when I was like coming up and playing, like he'd always have time, he'd always chat in the club and he just he always had a great set of hands. Always two hands on the ball, um, tall, lanky, like rangy runner. Um yeah, really good lad. And you're twelve, mate. I think 12, much as it pains me to say it, would be a Scoey, Chris Scoey. <laughs> um, like, strong lad, really strong lad. Shame he, he got quite a few injuries, but yeah. he could tackle and he'd, and he'd hit a great hard line. He could, mate. Good baller, wasn't he? Yeah, very. Right. Who's your standoff or fire for the unionists? Despite being, like, the same age, only played a handful of games with him, really, but it would be Chris Atkin. Yeah. Um, so we, we are the same age I think I'm pretty sure the same school year but he played a lot of league obviously in academies growing up but I played he played at the Wids kind of on and off through that um, yeah. great player great reader of the game I think that's why he's show, showing how good he is in Super League at the moment yeah. top lad as well got yeah. a lot of time for Chris who's your nine mate? I think my nine would be Ev Evan Simons uh, yeah. yeah we won the three trophies of the Colts at the Wids um, he he was a real leader in that. Loves a dummy. I know no a man loves a dummy as much, but can pull him yeah. up. Fair play. Another top lad as well, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Right, do you want to go back row or props? We'll go to eight. I think eight, me eight, then. I think me eight, and I'm not, not blowing smoke at yards there. I think me eight would be uh, John Ev. Oh, thanks yeah. very much. Five in the post. Yeah, any man who can mix it and then 
if a goal from the sideline to win a game um, is up there. But no, seriously, mate, like, just, I I played a bit of eight and, like, you know, back of the scrum, you just always have it under control and you you pick, you bring people in. You had the hands to just drop off a forward um, and you you had a great boot to go with it. Oh, cheers, mate. Thank you. Who's no your open side? Oh, this is hard. Um, I want to say Phil Harrison or Tom Mack. And it's one of the two. And I, I think they're very similar. Maybe Who's going to be your six, though? Like, my six actually would be Johnny Lowe. Sure. So we'll go two then. So we'll go Tom Mack and Phil. Yeah, but like Phil, I think one of the best foragers I've seen, like, just get himself in places no one else could. Small, yeah. work it. Tom Mack, tackle anything. It's, I mean, I don't think we have a... Well, we have got some stats, but his tackle count has always been through the roof. Yeah. Um, and he was always the first when a ball went through, he'd pop up from nowhere. Uh, yeah. And then six, Johnny Lowe, just, just a workhorse. Yeah. Uh, just, Good and he'd just get... He'd be everywhere, tackling, nothing fancy. Um, but he'd be on everything um, and, and you know ball went on the floor he'd be the first to drop on it he'd hit everything so yeah really good lad he had a good engine on him didn't he yeah very good yeah. Um, one of the fittest I think I've probably played with yeah so he was in your engine room I think one of my second I think second rows I'd probably put put Bomber up there yeah the, um, and then he, he just had a he had a great like appreciation of the, the game. Like he could he did all the basics really well, like carried, tackled, win the line outs. He was a he was a like a hefty lad, so could mix it in the scrum. Um he, like an extra back rower, wasn't he? Yeah, to be honest, he, he could have probably played six or eight if he could Yeah. Bit, a bit of a Courtney was, wasn't he? Yeah, could, yeah. Well, that's a really good description. Um so yeah, he was he was always great. Like as I was coming through to like play alongside him. Yeah, and who partners him? That's a tough one. Um, so you know, I'd probably put Al Chadwick in there. Yeah, they had a good thing together, them didn't they? Yeah, I think the bomber did the running and Al did the carrying sort of. Yeah, it worked quite well as a dynamic. Um, he had a good spell with us chatters. Yeah, he, he did. Um, it's a shame he, he didn't do more, to be honest. Yeah. So, we're down to your front row, mate. I think me front row, I think I'm going to start a hooker. Yeah. Maybe a bit of a weird choice, but I put Kerry Scanlon. Uh, remember Kerry? That was Kerry from the words. Always thought, like, maybe not maybe not the fittest, but technically very good. Uh, he was. You know, his, his darts from the line out were really good. Uh, he did you every time, bang on. Um, and Probably I, the best thrower we've had, mate. If you yeah, agree with that, yeah, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. I, think he, I think he could when he carry as well. He, he had a great like leg drive after. Like he wasn't the biggest like um, up front, but he he he'd just keep going and keep pumping and make yards. Yeah. So should we go one? So that would be your loose side. Yeah. Um, I think my loose side always kind of coming through at the, at the width was, was Borgie. Yeah. Um, so he was, he was always in the. Despite the amount of time he spent on the wing, trying to score a machine. Yeah, yeah. He was, um, he, he was always kind of the, the starter. You said. Yeah. And to finish us off, mate, who's your tight head? Wouldn't be tight would have to be Arnie. I know he's yeah. played a bit of eight, and I, 
and other positions. But now playing through the Colts, Colts came easy to him, I think, just because he was a big lad and he was skillful. But I think what people misunderestimate about Arnie is like, yes, he was a big lad, but you know, he'd stand near me on the kickoffs and me and him would try and catch him. I'd be all over, as high as it would go, he'd catch him like two hands above his head, like leaning. Yeah. Um, and it, he, he did have a lot of skill, which I don't think he's always given the rap for. Yeah. No, I agree with that, mate. That's a solid side, to be fair. So, thanks for your time coming on, Johnny. I appreciate you've you've kept your time aside for us and, and I look forward to having a, a beer with you soon, mate. Yeah, no, thanks so, for having me, mate. I really enjoyed the episode, so, um, yeah, keep going. Cheers, dude. I'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to Trot the Eggin. Thanks to our sponsors, Bardell Sports. Follow us on Twitter at Trot the Eggin and Instagram at Trot underscore the underscore egg underscore in.